You'll please turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3. We'll be looking at this morning the biblical role of the deacon. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 8 through 13. Last week we looked at verses 1 through 7 as we looked at the biblical qualifications for an elder. And this week we will look at the biblical qualifications for a deacon. And this will wrap up our little mini-series here on biblical leadership. And for those of you who are members of Cornerstone Presbyterian Church, uh, even you teenagers and children will have an opportunity to nominate men for office and leadership here at Cornerstone Presbyterian Church. And to do that, we were asking that you study along with us and prayerfully consider who God would have you denominate as we look at what the scriptures say. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. This is God's holy and authoritative and inerrant word to us. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to too much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you did not leave us to wander aimlessly in this world trying to figure out how to do life and specifically how your church is to be led. You have given us clear instructions here from your word. And so, Lord, we do pray that you would teach us, that you would instruct us in your truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for thousands and thousands of years, the biggest party, the biggest celebration, the biggest festival that the Jewish people would celebrate was the Passover. And this was in celebration of God delivering, redeeming his people out of slavery, out of bondage in Egypt. And so once a year, the pilgrims would gather together in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And we find an account of one such event when some of God's people were celebrating this Passover in John chapter 13. And in John chapter 13, we read of Jesus gathering together with his disciples to celebrate the Passover. And as part of the requirement in celebrating this Passover, you must be clean, you must be washed. And so the lowliest servant would come and attend to the Jewish men and wash their feet. Wash their feet of the grime that you could only imagine would exist on those ancient roads in Jerusalem. And to the surprise of the leaders of this early church, the apostles, their master, their leader, 
their Savior, their guide, got up and began to wash his disciples' feet. He took on the lowliest position, the position of a servant, and showed his disciples that this is how you lead. This is how you serve. Jesus demonstrated here and in other places in plain view what's at the very heart of the biblical role of a deacon, and that is the ministry of service. We, being a Presbyterian church in America, one of our governing documents that helps us figure out how we govern our church is the book of church order. For those of you men who may enter into a training process, you will learn all about the book of church order. And the book of church order explains for us this ministry of the deacon in the local church. Listen to this short description. The office of deacon is set forth in the scriptures as ordinary and perpetual in the church. The office is one of sympathy and service after the example of the Lord Jesus. It expresses also the communion of saints, especially in their helping one another in time of need. And so when we come to 1 Timothy chapter 3 here in this passage on deacons, when you look at what the, the Greek word for deacon, it's diakonos, where easily we get our word deacon, and it simply means a servant or a minister, one who ministers to, attends to uh, helping people out. So what would be the best word that we could use if we were having to give just one word to describe the ministry of a deacon? I would say serve or service. Deacons serve. Perhaps you're thinking about nominating someone for office this morning, and even during the sermon time, you're praying and thinking about men that you would nominate to help lead this church and serve in this church. And that's probably the key question you should ask yourself this morning. Does this man serve? Does he see himself as a servant as the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated? That is the call of a deacon, to serve. In verse 8, you'll see there that the Apostle Paul, in explaining to his young disciple in the faith, Timothy, what the role of church leaders should be and what deacons specifically should do in the local church, he says, deacons likewise. He uses that word likewise or similarly, comparing them to the role and the qualifications that elders were to have in the passage before us. So what the Apostle Paul is teaching here, that like elders, deacons must meet certain biblical qualifications in order to hold church office. And so he's going to list what those qualifications are. But before we get there, let's do a little brief study in the Bible on where the first deacon showed up and what they were doing. Turn with me to Acts chapter 6. Our Sunday school classes, adult Sunday school classes for the past year, have been studying the book of Acts. And so early on in the study, we looked at what the role of deacons were. But just as by way of refresher, 
In Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, we have the first account, the first situation where we have the election and the setting apart of deacons in the local church. Hear the word of the Lord here from Acts 6, 1 through 6. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve, that is the twelve disciples, the apostles, they summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. What they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicornor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, and all those guys, <laughs> a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on men. So here we see in Scripture, very important to recognize here at the outset, that the office of deacon, the biblical office in the local church of deacon, it's a spiritual office. These men are ordained, they are set apart by God to serve in his local church. And it's important to understand that a deacon is ordained, is set apart to the ministry in the local church, just like an elder, just like a pastor. There is no difference. However, the office of deacon, as we see very clearly here in the scripture, is not one of rule. They don't serve as ones who rule, who govern the church. They serve as those who serve. Their office is not one of, of rule. It is one of service. And so the deacons here were set aside to, to help and to serve and to assist the apostles and the disciples in their ministry. They were ordained. They were, their hands were, the hands were laid upon them. And they were commissioned to help fulfill the very tangible needs of the people in the early church. Specifically, as countless numbers of disciples were coming and being converted at this time. So the election of these first deacons here in Acts chapter 6 help us to see, though, the very unique callings of an elder and a deacon. They're very descriptively set apart here, the ministry of the word and those who are serving the needs of the people. According to our book of church order in the PCA, it's very important to understand that deacons, they're under the authority of the session. Our book of church order says, in the discharge of their duties, the deacons are under the supervision, supervision and authority of the session. And so the deacons serve. They minister to the body and the needs of the people so that the elders, as we see in Acts chapter 6, can devote themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And so that is how we see the very first deacons serving in the local church and where we have our idea, our concept of deacons. And so as we get back to 1 Timothy chapter 3, let's look through the biblical qualifications 
for a deacon in the local church. And we'll look at these actually under the same headings that we studied last week when we looked at elder. We're going to look at the deacon's character, the deacon's duties, the deacon's family, the deacon's spiritual maturity, and the deacon's reputation. And so think about these qualities as you pray and think about nominating someone for office. The first there is the deacon's character. Verse 8, deacons likewise must be dignified. So obviously when it says that a deacon must be dignified, he has to be a southern gentleman, correct? <laughs> dignified. No, a dignified deacon is one who is, who is reverent, who is honorable in their calling, who takes their ordained call to serve very seriously. Also, we see there in regards to their character, they must not be double-tongued. A deacon must be sincere and truth-telling in all their actions. They must not be one who says one thing and then does another. They must not have the reputation of being a hypocrite. Also, we see there in verse 8, they must not be addicted to too much wine. Again, as we said last week, drinking alcohol is not a disqualification to serve as a deacon or to hold church office. But getting drunk and drinking alcohol in excess is a disqualification. The apostle says there they must also not be greedy for dishonest gain. So why would this be a character quality, a character trait that a deacon must hold? Well, in our church and in most PCA churches that I can speak for, the deacons are responsible for looking after the church finances and helping to manage the week-to-week, day-to-day operations. And so they're collecting the funds, the tithes and offerings that are given in the local church. And I think it would be a good idea that we have men who are trustworthy, who are honest to do to fulfill this call so they would not be greedy for dishonest gain. But notice so far as we've looked at these characteristics, these character qualifications for a deacon, that God is very concerned in his word with who the deacons are in Christ, more so than what they do. God is very concerned with, with character. He's very concerned with their beliefs that we'll study here in a minute, their theology, because all of that influences what they do. And so now we'll look at the deacon's duties. And again, we saw this clearly laid out in Acts chapter 6. Because that is the demonstration that I've seen in the local church. Deacons love to serve. In Acts 6, we see that these deacons were appointed to serve the widows and the elderly and those who were in need, who were being neglected because there were so many of them that the apostles needed help. They needed those dedicated to serve. Elsewhere, we see that deacons, they did many different tasks, many varying tasks to make sure the ministry of the word goes forth. So what do deacons do at Cornerstone? Well, think about that for a minute. Maybe you don't often think about what do deacons do at Cornerstone besides just take up the offering? Well, it's very comfortable in here right now. 
It's extremely hot this time of year. The deacons got here at like, I don't know, 5 (laughs) a.m. to turn on the air conditioner, to make it comfortable so that we could worship. To flip on all the lights, to make sure all the classrooms were ready, to hand you a bulletin, to get the sacraments ready here to serve, to feed you. Many, many, many different tasks that we can continue to name all of these things in preparation for the ministry of the word, for the worship of God's people. Our deacons here at Cornerstone serve and serve well. They manage the finances and the budget. They're calling me every week. Pastor, what can we do about this? How can we get ready for this? How can we serve the session? Our deacons serve, and they serve well. Listen again to some of these roles of the the deacon, again, explained in our Book of Church Order. It is the duty of the deacons to minister to those who are in need, to the sick and to the friendless and to any who may be in distress. It is their duty also to develop the grace of liberality in the members of the church, to devise effective methods of collecting the gifts of the people and to distribute these gifts among the objects to which they are contributed. They shall have the care of the property of the congregation, both real and personal, and shall keep in proper repair the church edifice and other buildings belonging to the congregation. In matters of special importance affecting the property of the church, they cannot take final action without the approval of the session. These are just some of the things that our deacons do to serve. Our deacons serve. But there's one thing that I'm very passionate about that I want to jump up and down and scream to you this morning. Deacons are not elders in training. Deacons are not elders in training. In the New Testament, we see a very clear division and a very separate calling both to be an elder and to be a deacon. Uh, Phil Riken, a PCA minister, said this. He says, deacons are not elders in training. The diaconate is a separate office having its own dignity and requiring its own gifts. Some deacons may well become elders as they mature in the faith, but some of the best deacons should remain deacons for life because that is what they were called and gifted to do. I wholeheartedly agree with Pastor Riken. Because at Cornerstone, we want to nominate men. We want to choose men. We want to elect men who are doing what they are called to do. I know in some, even PCA churches, it is practically expected that you have to become a deacon first in order to one day become an elder. I believe this is not biblical. I believe this is not what the calling we see in the early church to what a deacon and what an elder was supposed to do. Christ calls us to live out our callings. And so we want men who love to teach and love to disciple and shepherd and and get into the dirtiness of marriages and parenting and all that stuff. We want them being elders. But we want men who love to get their hands dirty and and, and love to serve and, and to help and to And to build and all those things, we want them serving as deacons. We want men serving out their calling to be either a deacon or an elder. Forgive me for that little soapbox. I just wanted to make that clear because it's clear in scriptures. 
The third thing here, as far as the qualifications for a deacon, there are a deacon must be spiritually mature. Look at verses 9 through 10. The apostle says they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. What does he mean? Deacons must be rock-solid believers in Jesus Christ. They must be sold-out Christians. In the Bible, when it says the mystery of the faith, a mystery of the faith is a truth that was once hidden that is now revealed in Christ. And so deacons must be orthodox in their beliefs. Deacons must believe in the Holy Trinity, in the, in the infallibility of the Scriptures, in the necessity of the substitutionary atonement of Christ. Deacons have influence. Deacons have leadership in the church. There are many things they're in charge of, and so it's important that they have sound doctrine, that they have rock-solid beliefs in Christ. And so we believe that so much here at Cornerstone that when a man is nominated for office, you're not nominating a man for elder or deacon. You're just nominating a man for office. And the session along with that man is going to help them discern their gifts and see where they're called to. But we're going to train elders and deacons together. Both elders and deacons are going to go through theological training together to learn, to grow in their knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in order to be spiritually mature and to lead in the church well. And that's why the apostle says also in verse 10, and let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. How do we find out if a deacon is ready to serve and to hold church office and that they have sound biblical doctrine, they must be tested. They must be examined. And so our men who are nominated will be tested and will be examined by the session to ensure that they're ready to hold office, much like the men were in the New Testament. The deacon must be spiritually mature. The fourth qualification in regards to the deacon's family in verses 11 through 12. Like elders, a deacon must have a godly wife. A wife who loves Jesus more than she loves her husband. And that just so happens to be for you young men a qualification that you want to look for in a wife. That she loves Jesus more than she loves you. She, the wife of the deacon, must also be dignified, not engaged in gossip. She must be faithful, she must be loyal, and she must be dedicated to her husband's ministry in the local church. The wife of a deacon should support the work and ministry of her husband in the local church, helping to get the kids to church so their husband can get up early in the morning and come turn the lights off. (laughs) A wife that would come and help him serve in his tasks that just... And this applies to most tasks that need that lady's touch, right? (laughs) Our men need that help. Many things that an an officer's wife wife can help serve, can help love and support their husband. But it doesn't mean that they have to be married. A deacon can be a faithful, godly, single man. 
Also, deacons, though, who are married and who do have a family, they must serve at home as a model for how they will serve in the church. And again, we said this last week. Deacons are also serving in the family of God, and so it is important that they are tending to and caring for their own families well. And so a question that we may consider, are they putting into practice in their family life the gifts that they must bring to the local church? It's important to look at the deacon's family. Last, the deacon's reputation in verse 13. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good understanding, a good standing for themselves, and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Men who serve as deacons will have great confidence in Christ. Why? Because they are doing ministry like Christ, the greatest servant of all. Again, Pastor Riken says that the diaconate is the ecclesiastical office that most closely resembles the servanthood of Jesus Christ. Of course, Christ was the greatest deacon. In Mark chapter 10, two of Jesus' apostles came to him with very self-serving interest. Lord, when you take your throne and rule your kingdom, we want you to put us right there with you where we have a good high standing where people see that we're important, that we rule well in our church. But Jesus had a very important lesson to teach them. A lesson to teach them that it's not about stature. It's about service. And that is why we read in Mark chapter 10 verse 45 where he says, For even the Son of Man, and that was Jesus' favorite title to describe himself, Son of Man. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom many. The office of deacon is a demonstration of the gospel. Christ came not to say, do for me, but he came to demonstrate done. He gave his life as a ransom for many. He purchased our very lives by his servant death on the cross that we will celebrate this morning in the Lord's Supper. He died in our place. He served his church to the point of death. Death on a Roman cross. What a blessing that deacons get to serve with great confidence knowing that they have been commissioned by the example of the Savior themselves. The deacon said, hey, go easy on us this morning. I said, look, I'm only comparing you to Jesus Christ. No big deal. But that is the commissioning they've been given to serve as Jesus served. So much so that the very first deacon or the very first Christian martyr was a deacon. The deacon Stephen in Acts 6, 7, and 8. Stephen served and he lived out the gospel resulting in his death. Stephen, a faithful deacon and servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, served to the point of death, living out that example that Christ set. Now again, it's, 
easy for us to look at these qualifications for deacon the same way we did for elders last week and just to throw up our hands and go, nobody fits this description perfectly. I mean, if you visited my home last night, you would think that man is not fit to be a pastor. (laughs) Nobody can live out these qualifications perfectly, right? But as with elders, we said last week, same with deacons, this is not a legalistic list. It's not an unrealistic list. It is, these are real qualifications that men must meet to serve in the local church. They are necessary. They are non-negotiables. We want men who are not perfect, men who, but men who look to the perfect Savior. Men who are trying to live as Christ, who are so, sold out believers as Christ, and they are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit in order to meet these qualifications. And so we must choose men whom the scriptures say meet these qualifications. But we must remember, as we sing again this week, that the church's one foundation is not built on mere men. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. We're not nominating men to be our saviors. We're nominating men to serve the Savior in his church. So may God bless us as we seek him today and as we cry out to him and ask him to raise up men from our midst who are committed disciples of Jesus Christ and want to serve him in the local church. Join with me in that prayer. Father, again, we, we come to you knowing that we cannot do it by ourselves. We need your Holy Spirit to come and to intervene and to intercede in our lives and in your church cornerstone. And so, Lord, we beseech you that you would abide with your church and that you would raise up men who love you to serve in your church. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.